Today I will be reading Acts 2, 36-38. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Jennifer. We've been talking about the early message that believers shared about Jesus. And something happened. Something happened to make a Jewish community who was steeped in particular traditions and ways of worshiping God in the first century, all of a sudden, a significant portion of that Jewish community decided to drop like a lead balloon all of those traditions that had happened for centuries. They decided circumcision wasn't valuable anymore. They decided the temple wasn't the place where God was anymore. They decided to abandon some of the dietary laws that they had been accustomed to. They decided to change the day that they worshiped on. They usually worshiped from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That was Sabbath. But this, this group, this community of people decided all of a sudden, let's worship on Sunday morning. Why did they do that? Why did they drop all of these things? And the answer The only answer is that there was a person and there was an event that took place. The person was Jesus Christ. And the event was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've been going through this message that they preached to everyone that they came across about this person of Jesus, that he was king, that he was nailed to a cross, that he overcame death, and that everybody needs to worship him as Lord and Savior. And so we come to W today. We need to worship him as Lord and Savior. And every message of those first followers uh, was this same pattern. These were the essential bullet points that, they, that were always covered. The call at the end of the message was always to worship Jesus as Lord and Savior. Every message ended with a call to action. And that's what it was, to worship Jesus as Lord and Christ or Savior. And here's how to make him Lord and Savior. And they would always point to the same three things. Believe that he is who God said he is, that he is the Savior, that he is Lord, that he has died and resurrected. Repent of your sins. Change your life so that you begin to orient your life towards him. And then be baptized. All all the messages, they always end in this same refrain, believe, repent, and be baptized. And we could take a lot of time and on each one of those today. Each one of those are probably worthy of a sermon, but what we want to talk about on Baptism Sunday is the final point in that. This thing called baptism, this subject, brings up a lot of questions, and that's why I have uh, Paul with me and Ian with me. And we're going to just go down. It's there in your bulletin. There are a list of about seven questions that normally pop up when we talk about this thing called baptism and try to make sense of it. And so um, we're going to answer each one of those and work through uh, this list. And the question is, right off the bat, um, can you 
get a Christian uh, by simply adding water to a sinner? That's the question. Uh, How many of you, when you go to Walmart, you look for the gravy that you just have to add water to? Like me? Yes. Because that's easy, right? And sometimes we have this idea that that's all you have to do to, to make a Christian is just add water to a sinner. Is that really the case? And although we want to celebrate baptism today, we want to make clear what saves us. Jesus Christ saves us. It's our faith. Uh, We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's what Ephesians 2 says. And we're celebrating in baptism a new life that comes from that faith in the power of Jesus. Romans 6, 4 says it this way. Um, It's on the screen here. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And that's our prayer for everyone who comes through these doors, that you would experience that new life that is found because God gives it to us freely by grace, uh, and we respond to it in faith. That's our prayer for you. So let's, uh, let's start with question number one. Just very simply, why do we need to be baptized? And I promise I will let them talk in a second. <laughs> I'm taking all the airtime right up front. Uh, number, uh, number one, why do we need to be baptized? And I'm going to give you four quick reasons why we need to be baptized. Number one, Jesus commands us to be. In Matthew chapter 28, he gives his disciples a great commission. He says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 16 says that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, okay? So Jesus commands it. Number two, it's necessary for us to be a part of Christ. There are a lot of phrases that these early believers use when they write about Jesus and their experience following him. They, they, they use phrases like in Christ and put on Christ and clothed with Christ and united with Christ. And anytime they use phrases like that, they all point to the event of baptism as the time that those things happen. And so baptism seems to be scripturally a point in time where we identify with Jesus. Number three, baptism is a cleansing First uh, Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 21, says that baptism is an appeal to God for a clean conscience. And when we walk into the waters of baptism, what we're inviting God to do is to cleanse us. He promises us forgiveness, and that's what's happening. And if there's a common theme in baptisms, uh, whether you experience them here or in a pool or in a lake or in a river, wherever they are, there's a common theme, and the theme is relief. People are relieved. Why? Because there's a clean slate. They know it's like starting over, right? And that's because God has given forgiveness of sin, and they know that they stand right with him. So baptism is a cleansing. Finally, four, um, this is probably the most compelling. Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized. Matthew chapter uh, 3, John baptized. is baptizing in the Jordan River, and Jesus goes to John, and he says, will you baptize me? And John says, what are you talking about? I should, you know, I should be baptized by you. I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. He tries to talk him out of it. And Jesus simply says this, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says to John, you know what? 
God wants me to do this. I have to do this. And all of a sudden, do you realize what's happened? Jesus has taken all of our excuses away. If he was baptized and he knew Jesus, or God wanted him to be baptized, then there's really no argument that I can make that baptism isn't necessary for me as well. First question. Right. There you go. I'll turn it over. So the question that I grabbed pretty quickly was how young is too young to be baptized? Uh, in fact, in between services, I had a conversation with another parent who was talking about their, their son had been in church all of his life and, uh, you know, there was kind of this unsurety, is he ready or not, or that kind of thing. And, and I, I get that question a lot from parents of grade schoolers, um, many of the high school students that are sitting over here. Uh, I may have gotten that question from your parents when, uh, when you were younger. And so um, we, we do the Decision for Christ class, and the reason we started that class is it gives an opportunity for kids who are asking questions about salvation and baptism, repentance, all that kind of stuff, uh, to come and sit in a classroom setting, and uh, it, it is a commitment. There's, there's a, a certain amount of work involved, including some homework right in the middle of the school year. Uh, unfortunately, I am that guy. Um, and so, uh, but there's, there's the, the actual attending of the class and then also the homework for the class, and it gives a parent the opportunity to kind of see how does my child work with this? Do they want to go to class? Do they work on their homework? excitedly if there is such a thing um, and uh, or or is this really just a, a nuisance to them and and you can kind of judge from that whether they're excited to make a decision for Jesus or if they're maybe not quite ready and so we have several that have gone through that class that uh, um, have been baptized right away uh, Kenley like I mentioned earlier was in the class two falls ago Caleb was three falls ago I have records going back to 2011 and so I started looking through those records and was paying attention to maybe some kids that had not made that decision back to 2011 all the way through last fall's class and contacted those parents and some of those kids may be sitting in the room, I don't know, but um, just asking that question, hey, do you think they're ready? Uh, are, they, are they talking about this? Any, I've, I've, they've not stepped up and, and had their baptism yet. And so as a result, uh, Kinley and Caleb went ahead and made that decision today. And uh, Ansley is sitting right over here. I spot her Friday night. We have a picture of Ansley. She was baptized Friday night out here. And so we celebrate that as well. Ansley is actually her birthday at 8.07 in the evening was when you were born. And so at like 8.02, they walked in the door. And uh, we may not have been in the water at 8.07, but it was really close. <laughs> so uh, we had Ansley's baptism as well. So those were three of the kids that have had the Decision for Christ class. It's not a requirement. In fact, next Sunday... Uh, I have another one, Tyranny uh, Bilyeu is going to be baptized, um, and uh, she just took the workbook and worked, with it, worked through it with her parents, and so that was cool. So we're going to get together this week, and so, uh, but basically, baptism is an expression of faith, and we're going to talk through the morning here about the fact that this, this needs to be their personal decision. This is not uh, a parent forcing them into the water. Uh, Kinley and Caleb did not go in there unwilling. They were very willing, right, Caleb? Right? Kinley? Right? Okay. So they were very willing to step up and do this because they know that the Bible teaches about being baptized. And we talked about it in the class. And so one of the phrases we throw out that is actually not a phrase found in the Bible is the age of accountability. And um, it's 
not a magic age. There is no exact age for anybody. Uh, it's different for each person. I was eight when I was baptized. Um, so 35 years ago, did I know everything about what I know now and what I'm going to continue to learn? Absolutely not. Um, was I as close to Jesus then as I am now? I hope not, you know. Uh, and so it, it's a continual growth. Um, continue to be faithful to him through, uh, through our lives. But uh, as Dusty mentioned, that, that phrase from Ephesians, the saved by grace through faith. And we can point to uh, the point of our baptism, and then it's four good works for the rest of our lives, basically, to love God through, through worship in our lives. And so, um, so I appreciate uh, the three that have stepped up and uh, said that they were ready and uh, you know, the baptistry waters are nice and warm, Caleb, right? It's nice and warm. It's going to stay warm for a while. Uh, so whether it's at the end of service or this afternoon, we're actually going to be getting ready for Miss Jean's visitation this afternoon. And so, um, you know, if you decide that it's time, let's do it. So my question is, uh, is there ever a reason a person, person should be rebaptized? Which is a great question. And to, to start it off, I will say this. I do believe that. I believe there can certainly be an appropriate reason for somebody to be rebaptized. Uh, obviously, if it was not your choice, uh, that is a choice Jesus expects you to make for yourself. You know, I think for all of us, you know, maybe sprinkling an infant would come to mind uh, when you are very young and it maybe wasn't your decision. You know, if your decision for Jesus wasn't made yourself, and it was it really actually made. So absolutely, uh, I do think that there are some reasons a person could be rebaptized. What's interesting about it is there's actually biblical evidence of this happening. Um, it's actually in Acts chapter 19. Please feel free if you want to look it up for yourself. Uh, I'm actually going to read the first few verses of Acts chapter 19. It says this, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I, I read that, and it seems, okay, yeah, that seems like it was a totally appropriate example of uh, rebaptism. However, something to note in that passage is it seems pretty clear that these guys, they didn't have an understanding of the Holy Spirit. They said, yeah, we, we didn't even know that was a thing. What is that? Uh, so it's pretty clear that they didn't understand that to be baptized is co to commit to Jesus. Um, it's a commitment to him uh, and to receive the Holy Spirit inside of you. Uh, so it's a hard question, you know, um, in a vacuum, if I were to see someone get rebaptized, I would be hard pressed to look at them and say, that's wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Uh, I do think, however, it is crucial we really uh, prayerfully consider what our motives are. Uh, so when I've had this conversation with students, uh, it's usually the, the motive has revolved around two different things. The first is this. Uh, I have messed up a lot since I got baptized. That was a long time ago. And I have definitely met my quota on sin and then some since that time. So I should probably get dunked again. The problem with that is that's a bad theology of the cross, right? So uh, what we believe as Christians is that there's a finality to the cross. So uh, if, I, if I sin, 
sin and I sin and I sin, Jesus doesn't have to keep climbing back up onto the cross to die for me. When he did that, that was final. And so if we are to baptize, rebaptize somebody with them believing, oh, I have to do this to take care of the sin that happened since my first one, then I'm afraid we're cultivating bad theology or, or unsound doctrine. Uh, the other thing is this, uh, number two, uh, I didn't understand it at the time. And this is probably a little more common uh, for me to encounter. You know, well, I, and, and for me, I was baptized when I was 11. Um, did I have a perfectly sound doctrine on baptism? Well, probably not. Uh, but I knew that I loved Jesus and I wanted him to be the Lord of my life. Uh, and, and that was, there was something to that. And so uh, one way that we put it is this way. So when I married Bethany, I fully knew who I was committing to. Um, I don't think I fully understand, understood what it meant to be married to her at that time. So this morning, maybe I woke up and I said, hey, Bethany, you know, uh, I'm glad we're married, but when we got married, I really wasn't ready for it, so why don't we do the, the ceremony all over again? Now, her, her dad's checkbook says no way, okay? <laughs> but, but really, doesn't it, doesn't it sound silly? We, we don't need to do the ceremony all over again because of a commitment that I made. And that's what you do when you enter into baptism. You're making that commitment with Jesus. And I'm certain you probably haven't honored that perfectly since you got baptized. I know that's true for me. doesn't mean we have to do the ceremony all over again. Right now, you can start living in a way that honors that commitment. Uh, so basically, to kind of wrap it all up, uh, is this, I'd really want to look at your motives. Uh, I have a story about a kid uh, named Logan. Logan was a seventh grader, and we took, him, uh, we took him to church camp when I was an intern with another church. And uh, Logan, the first night, decided he wanted to get baptized. And, you know, camp, it's, it's very emotional. It's easy to make a decision like that. And, and when he got baptized, he got swarmed by a bunch of girls who all, you know, gave him hugs and everything. And he said, man, I like baptism. <laughs> uh, and every night during youth group time, he'd make sure to be, yeah, I don't know if you heard, but I got baptized. And maybe even work a few tears in there. And sure enough, the girls would come flock to him. All these other guys were like, I, I need to get baptized. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lo and behold, next summer, we go to camp again. Now he's in eighth grade. Guess what Logan thinks he needs to do again? Needs to be rebaptized. Uh, obviously, a seventh grader at church camp, that might be a different context than something that could happen in your life. But ultimately, what I would say is this uh, by rebaptizing you or by pointing you towards rebaptism, am I helping you foster an unsound doctrine of who Jesus is or what baptism is? Uh, and if I am helping you with that, then I don't think it's right for me to point you towards rebaptism. So that's what I've got. Awesome. We're all sharing the age, so you were 11 when you were baptized, you were eight, eight. I was nine. So, and that, that's a very common story, right? If we were to poll the uh, congregation, it's probably uh, when we were younger, you know, when we came to this knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, and that's a very common story. Um, the question uh, comes up, why does community immerse and not sprinkle for baptism? And uh, let me very quickly give you two reasons. Number one is the very word that is used in the New Testament uh, when we read about baptism. Um, we actually stole the word baptize from the Greek language. We, we, didn't have, we don't have an English equivalent. We just plucked it right out of the Greek language. It's baptizo, and we use that word, baptize. And what it means is to dip, to plunge under, to immerse uh, the word was used when ships were at sea and they sank. They were said to have been baptized, okay? So we're talking about a lot of water 
and we're talking about immersion going underneath. And so that's, that's the first reason. And maybe you've been connected, like I have, to traditions where um, children or people were sprinkled, and I've, I've gone to those ceremonies where parents lovingly put their child forward and say, hey, I want this child to be raised in the sight of the Lord, and, and the, the child is sprinkled, and we don't want to take anything away from that. That's a great, that's a great first step. Uh, but every example that we see in the New Testament of somebody coming to faith is that they were baptized, but it followed belief and repentance, and that's something that's impossible for an infant to do. And so we ask people to practice um, that decision for themselves as they are uh, being coming to Jesus and fought, wanting to follow him, and that automatically rules out uh, infants and, and sprinkling. And so we immerse, and we immerse people who are old enough to decide for themselves that they want to follow Jesus. Because when we stand before God, we will stand there alone, right? Our parents won't be there. Our friends won't be there. We will stand there alone. And uh, we have to make that decision for ourselves, uh, to follow Christ. Number two is because of what baptism represents. Uh, we've alluded to it a couple times, but Paul in Romans chapter six um, uses the illustration of a burial. He says, uh, just as Christ was buried and rose again in baptism, we are buried. We are buried underneath the water and we rise out of that water um, into new life. And that burial picture just kind of goes away when we introduce this idea of sprinkling or pouring, um, burying somebody takes a lot of water. It takes immersion. It takes baptism. And we want to say this. Um, some of our favorite baptisms are these uh, people who have come out of traditions like this, who have uh, just studied the Scripture and come to an understanding that, you know what, I, I think I need to be baptized. I've believed for decades, but I think I need to be baptized. There are a couple of examples that come to mind. Clyde Brooker is one a guy uh, who was uh, just a cornerstone of our church for a lot of years. If, if you're an old-timer and you go way back, you'll remember Clyde. And the turning point of his spiritual walk was in his 50s. He was on his back uh, for six months in a hospital. He had nothing to do for those six months than read the Bible. And the very first thing after he left the hospital, the very first thing he did was to go find somebody who could baptize him. He had been a believer for a lot of years, but he read the scripture and somebody said, why are you doing this? He said, because I read it and this is what I need to do. Uh, we got a call one day from uh, a, a lady named uh, Alfreda. And uh, she had come out of the, uh, uh, she was involved in a tradition like this. And she began to read the New Testament. And she came to the decision that, you know, I need to be baptized. I was sprinkled as a kid. It was never my decision. I believed for decades, but I, I need to do this. And so she called her own church. And uh, her minister said, no, you're fine. You have faith. You're, you're good. And uh, she was not to be dissuaded by that. She, she was convinced that her minister wasn't going to help her too much. And so she turned to the phone book. We still had those at that time. And uh, C is pretty near the beginning. And so I found myself on the line with Alfreda, and she was asking to be baptized. I said, absolutely, we can help you out. And we went to the lake, and um, we baptized Alfreda, and she was 92 years old when we took her down into the water. And uh, for somebody to humble themselves like that, 
and say, you know what? I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. Man, we applaud that. That's amazing. Maybe baptism today isn't to be a debate for you. Maybe it just needs to be a decision. Very good. I was there when Alfreda was baptized, and uh, that was uh, quite, quite the process getting her down, it, it was. down the boat ramp. Into she the wanted to be baptized in the Marmonton River, and yeah. her family talked her out of that because we thought, we'll never get her out of that, that <laughs> buck down there. But uh, her, her case uh, just brings up the, kind of the point to the next question. If I get baptized, do I have to become a member of CCC? We do connect membership with uh, baptism, so Caleb and Kinley are now officially members of Community Christian Church, um, and, but that doesn't have to be the case, and Alfreda was one of them. She was a member of an, another church. She was not interested in joining our church and being a part of the team here, and that was perfectly fine. She was already plugged in at another church, and, and so her baptism did not carry that membership with her. But, uh, you know, just membership does matter because that, you know, that's an official step to say, I am part of the team. And so last Sunday... Uh, we had just one service, and Jim and Pat Summers uh, placed their membership. They were already immersed into Jesus, and so uh, they, they uh, just didn't get in the baptistry. They just came up and said, we would like to be members. We're part of the team here, and we wanted to make that official. And so, um, you know, the first priority is to Jesus. Uh, we were baptized into Jesus. Uh, the second priority is, is being a part of a church. And uh, so we connect those two with baptism unless we are told otherwise, basically. So, um, question, next question though. Yeah, so, so my next question is this, do I really have to be baptized? Is baptism actually essential? And that's another really good question. And Dusty already hit on probably the, the easiest answer, and it's that Jesus did it. You know, I mean, if you're wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet, I mean, well, you should probably get baptized. Uh, and and it, seems, it seems like John gets it. You know, he says, you know, you should I shouldn't be baptizing you. Like if anybody needs to not be baptized, Jesus is probably the guy, right? He, the one without sin. And yet it was important enough for him to submit to that process, uh, despite his perfection. Um, if you really want to follow Jesus, um, I don't think that is baptism necessary. I don't think that's the right question. I think a better question would be, do I really understand what he's calling me to? So we, we just talked about some of these in Sunday school, but just consider some of Jesus's hard teachings that he tells us to live out. Uh, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, pray for people that persecute you, sell all you have and give to the poor, pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. Jesus teaches um, a gospel that calls us to this lifestyle of, of being willing to suffer, right? Um, and we don't like to you know, talk about suffering for Jesus, but that's just what he's going to call you to. If you follow Jesus, at some point, you're going to find yourself uh, suffering to live like him. And if baptism is the thing we're getting hung up on, how do we plan to live out all these other difficult things that just come with being like Jesus in this world? Uh, how are we really going to stick to that? Uh, I, I use this illustration. Some of my students, I've had conversations with them before, and I've put it this way, and it's not really an elegant way of putting it. Uh, but let's say I, I tell Eli. I say, Eli, I'm going to write you a check and I'm going to sign it. And you, I'm going to leave a blank. You put as many zeros in there as you want, man. I've got all this money in my account. Don't even worry about it. Just put any money. However, you've got to do a couple things for me. If you want it, you've got to take your shoes off and you've got to walk out that door. Okay. <laughs> exactly right. There it is. See, now, wouldn't it seem strange if Eli was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'll, I'll walk through the door. Why do I have to take my shoes off? No, he wouldn't. He'd be throwing them off and he'd be out of there, okay? 
the thing is, if we really understand what we have to gain through this, then all of a sudden we're, we're very willing to, to submit to that process, you know, and, and we do a good job. Uh, obviously, there's the, the reward of eternity, right? We understand that. We do a good job of remembering the eternal ramifications of baptism, you know, and we even use the language like, well, I want to get baptized so I can go to heaven. But we also forget uh, there's also reward to be had right now. I mean, Peter, at the beginning of Acts in his sermon, he says, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, right now what is to be gained is Jesus living inside of us. That's what happens when we're baptized into Christ. We receive that Holy Spirit. So if we really do have that reward in mind, it's going to be worth it. Uh, One more thing. In Acts chapter 8, Philip, uh, many of you know the story. Philip sees an Ethiopian on the side of the road, and he's reading scripture. Uh, And Philip says, do you know what you're reading? And he says, no. So Philip sits with him, and they begin to read. Um, And it ultimately leads to baptism. He reads the scriptures, and he says, well, why should I not be baptized right now? And so they do it. Uh, And and Dusty was talking to us about this the other day. You know, if you really read through scriptures, and you you read through it, and you believe who Jesus is, what he he says he is, the response surely has to be, well, why would I not want to be baptized? I think it's interesting, you know, uh, the, the passage this guy is reading is actually part of Isaiah 53. In the verse he's reading, it says, like a sheep led to slaughter. Uh, you know, it's talking about Jesus in humiliation. He was denied justice. If you open up Isaiah 53, it's really quite depressing. Like it talks about how he's cut off from the land and he's rejected and he's despised. And, and this man reads this passage and he understands, okay, this is who Jesus is. This is my savior. And his response is, I want to follow this guy. I want to follow the one who is suffering and who is calling me to something that might be difficult. Uh, so even though Jesus is preaching a lifestyle that's not always easy, this man's response is undoubtedly, man, why should I not be baptized right now? And so just having that understanding of, well, well, if we can't even, if we're not even willing to get baptized, it's going to be really hard for us to actually follow any of Jesus's instructions. I'd, I'd much rather just have to get baptized than have to love my enemies or pray for people who persecute me, you know, or, or anything like that. This is, this is just part of that process that Jesus has called us to. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. I would say just having an understanding that Jesus has called us to a lot of things and baptism would fall under that. So if we're asking, is that something that I even have to do? That's probably the wrong question. So. I want to piggyback, kind of to answer the last question in your bulletin there. On uh, Ian mentioned the word process, and uh, you know that we don't have a believe day or a repent day. We have a baptism Sunday, right? And so um, we kind of we didn't really skip over it. I understand that, but just for for argument's sake, we we didn't have uh, time to talk about believe and repent, but we are talking about baptism. But the three of those, if you read through the story of the Philippian and or the Philippian jailer and the Ethiopian uh, and many, many others in the book of Acts, you see those conversions and there are three basic things that are always present. They believe, they repent, and they're baptized. And it's a package deal. It's a process. And so when we look at, um, when we look at those scriptures and we think about it, uh, it, my dad used to say, and I've heard him say many times, that the Christian church does a really good job, i.e. Baptism Sunday, on focusing on baptism, right? (laughs) Repent and be baptized, Uh, whereas other churches might uh, not have as much importance on baptism, and so they're big on the repent, be baptized, right? And so um, when we think about everything in the book of Acts, when we see these conversions and the, the process of 
believing and repenting and being baptized. Uh, I think it just, it changes things for us uh, to, to recognize that I need to do this. I have, there are two promises in Acts 2.38. I receive forgiveness of sins and I receive the Holy Spirit. Um, does that mean they don't show up other, some other time? All I know is I can read what Acts 2.38 says. Uh, Acts 22.16 over here on the wall. Why am I waiting? And, uh, you know, I mentioned the kids in the Decision for Christ class who haven't, and, and I know that there are others of you maybe in the audience today that, that have not made that decision. And, and uh, let, me, let me frame it up in a way that kind of uh, what we do in the D- Decision for Christ class. Uh, we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the grave. That's our gift. And God says, here it is. It's yours for everyone, but only the ones who respond. That's basically what the Bible says. So to illustrate that, um, I, I, you know, Ian kind of stole my thunder, but I didn't see him with an actual checkbook as he's talking about <laughs> writing all these zeros. So I did bring a 20, and I'm going to have Eli's dad, I'm going to offer this to Daniel. So Daniel, this is your 20. It's my gift to you. Is it yours yet? He has to respond. So Daniel, please respond in a way that allows you to have this gift. He has to get up out of his seat, walk up and grab it, okay? And so uh, he didn't have to take off his shoes. I'm not that crazy, you know, uh, or anything like that. You can have a seat. And so uh, by offering that gift, it's kind of like Jesus being on the cross and, and then rising from the grave that here's the gift, God says. Will you respond? Will you do what it takes to accept that gift? And so in the Bible, it, it teaches us about believe, repent, and be baptized. For the $20 bill, it was get out of your seat and come walk up and grab it from the stage, right? So now it's his. I'll get it back from him later. But. You got to put that in. <laughs> yeah, either that or you put it in the offering plate. That's plate, lunch Daniel. today. It's, yeah. it's actually Noah's. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I'm giving away somebody else's that's money. Like, that's like 15 McDoubles at McDonald's, man. That's great. So... Here's the deal. Uh, today, um, I'm going to have you guys stay up here at, through the invitation, and, and uh, today is just no excuses day, okay? Um, Satan would love for you to put this off. Uh, what we read in Scripture and what, what, we, what we can put together is that Jesus walked 60 miles to be baptized. 60 miles. Think about that. And what we're asking you today is to walk maybe 60 feet. And would you do that? Would you repent uh, Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm going to have the band come up, and um, the, the number one excuse today that is probably going through some of your minds is this, and I, I promise we have all been there. It's this, I've got work on myself to do first. I, I, haven't, I haven't cleaned myself up. I, I, there, there's just so much wrong in my life. I need, I need to get over some humps. And then, then I, I will come. Because I think I believe. But I'm just not sure that I'm at the level that it takes to be a follower of Jesus. And I, I want to encourage you with this. Over and over and over again, when we see these first believers talking to people about Jesus and the message and the gospel we see people who heard the gospel one time, exactly one time, and they said, yes, he is Lord and Savior, and I'm going to do what it takes to make him Lord of my life. One time. They didn't, they didn't figure themselves out first. 
They didn't have to get themselves to a certain level before they felt ready. They just said, he's Lord. And what that means is that they recognized who was really at work in the salvation process. See, we've gotten it wrong. We think that it's up to us. It's, we think it's what we are doing and what we've gotten wrong or what we've gotten right. No, that's not it. Grace is all about what Jesus has done for us. And it's the baptistry waters that we walk into that are a declaration to say, I recognize that I could never do this on my own, but Jesus has done it for me. And I want what he's offering. And so would you come today? Maybe, maybe the logistics aren't gonna work out for you. Maybe you're deathly afraid of water. That is a legitimate thing. Um, I did a funeral this last week for Jean Rogers. And part of her story was that she was deathly afraid of water. She almost drowned as a child. But she came to a point in her life, in her later years, where she realized, I need to be baptized. And her faith in Jesus was greater than her fear of water. And I promise, if you're in that boat, Jesus will meet you and give you confidence in these waters. Maybe just you didn't come ready. We've got stuff back here. We don't have stuff that will fit you, but we've got stuff. Okay, and, and maybe, maybe it's just a quick trip home and back to say, I will do this today because like Paul said, we're going to be here and we will make it happen. So don't use anything as an excuse. We have everything that we need today except for one thing, and that is you. And would you be obedient and trust in Christ and confess his name and repent of your sin and be baptized? One more quick story. There was a, a larger church that's a sister church of ours that was doing a baptism Sunday like this. And there was a group of people that were ready to be baptized and the, the minister that was helping them out was going around and meeting people and two guys came together that day and they were all tatted up. It was like they just rolled out of the motorcycle gang. And he said, how did you guys meet? And they chuckled to each other. They turned to each other. They said, he, they, they said prison. <laughs> and he said, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I want to hear more of this story, but I need to meet some other people. And in the same group, there were two elderly ladies. And he said the same thing. How did you guys meet? They chuckled and turned to themselves and said, Bible study? <laughs> That's the picture. No matter where you've come from, whether it's prison or Bible study, you are called to this place where Jesus says, it is my righteousness, what I've done that will save you, not anything that you've done. And that's what baptism is all about. And so would you come and make that decision today? We're going to sing. Let me pray. And uh, the three of us will be up here for those of you who need to come. Father, we thank you for this decision of baptism that we've all had to make. In order to be united with you, we have to make this choice. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in hearts and lives right now to encourage actions to be taken that have not been taken yet so that eternal destinies can be secured. Father, the right time to do the right thing is right now. And I pray that the people who need to will respond. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing.